Welcome to This Is Who I Am. I'm your host, Rosie Leach, a leading self-love and happiness coach. This is the podcast where I help you fall in love with yourself and break free from people-pleasing, self-doubt and fear. It's time for you to proudly say, this is who I am. Hello and welcome to another episode. I just want to say a very quick thank you to everyone that has tuned in and listened to these episodes so far. If you're listening for the first time today, thank you so much for making that decision. And if you've been here from the beginning, again, I appreciate your support so, so much. And I really hope that you're enjoying these episodes. Now, if you listen to the first episode, the little welcome taster, you'll know that the basic format of this podcast is kind of a couple of different sections and ways that we're going to do this. So there have already been some short solo episodes where I give you practical advice, tips and my experiences with self-love, confidence, mindset, a whole host of things but giving you real tools that you can take away with you so that you find the episodes useful. There's also going to be interviews and longer form podcasts and you will have listened hopefully to the first one that came out with Chantel and there's also going to be some slightly different episodes and this is going to be one of those episodes today and these aren't necessarily going to be very heavy on tips or advice but they're simply going to be sharing with you different parts of my journey and the reason I think it's important to do this is I think it's important to be honest and open about the struggles that we go through. I think a lot of the problems that we have in today's world is that we have things like social media and we look at people's lives and we think that everything is perfect and it's not healthy. We're not designed to have access to millions of people all over the world to see their picture-perfect Instagram posts, and all it really does is make us feel inadequate about ourselves because we know the struggles and troubles that we're having, and we kind of assume that nobody else is having those. So I think it's really important to be open and honest about these things so that you don't feel lonely, so that you know that whatever you're feeling right now, it's possible for you to feel differently. So that's one of the reasons I want to share with you my story. Another one is because I hope that, or something that's really important to me, is it's very easy to look and go, well, you're a self-love coach, you obviously never have struggled or struggle with these things. But one of the things that I've learned is people are most eloquent about what they struggle with the most. You know, people tend to get into coaching or any type of professional help, service, any of those things, because they struggled with that very problem and they had to work out a way to fix it. And so, but it's very easy when somebody is a coach or, you know, someone in this kind of space to just show the good parts and show all the things that you've learned and all the tools that you have. And and again, everything looks perfect all the time. And I think it's important to remember the difficult times. So, I'm going to talk about various different parts of my journey in later episodes. But today I want to talk about anxiety. And I say I want to talk about anxiety. I don't, to be honest. It's not something I enjoy talking about. It's not something, and there's certain periods of my life which I'm going to talk about today that I don't enjoy reflecting on. Um, But I think it's important that for anyone who might be feeling that way to know that it's okay that they feel like that and there are other people who have and do feel that way, but also that it's possible to not feel that way anymore. It's a very lonely feeling when you're anxious. You feel like you're the only person that understands how you're feeling and it's it's draining. It's really hard. Um, so I want to talk about anxiety because I think it's a really important topic. So first up, there's going to be a hell of a trigger warning on this. Please do not listen to this if you don't feel that you are in a good 
emotionally supported headspace where you're thinking, right, I can handle whatever you're going to talk about now because there's going to be plenty of things that are going to get discussed that could potentially be triggering. So please think about it before you listen to this episode. And for the record, you know, I'm just giving you my experience. This isn't advice. I'm not a mental health professional. This is just me telling you my experience with anxiety. So really it starts probably as young as age four, I have felt anxious my whole life. And I remember feeling anxious about going to school and it manifested when I was a child and up until my early, well, late teens, early twenties in feeling sick. So I had a phobia of sick and I also felt sick when I was nervous, when I was anxious, when I was uptight. And when I was a child and a teenager, I didn't really know what I was worrying about. I could never tell you specifically what I felt anxious about. I just had that horrible feeling in the pit of my stomach all the time and I felt sick. And then when I was feeling sick, I would then worry about being sick. And being sick was like my worst nightmare. I had... I definitely had emetophobia and I think I have ideas of where that has come from but being sick felt like the end of the world to me it felt like the most embarrassing thing it felt like hell I just couldn't cope with it I hated it and there's something I want to talk about and again I'll do this in a later episode because it was a struggle I had around eating um, and it actually was triggered by a period of sickness but that's something we'll come on to another time but as a as a child as a teenager and, and even into my early 20s when I was anxious, I just felt sick. I would sometimes be heaving because I was thinking, oh my God, I'm going to be sick. And it just, it usually was all day, every day. If I'm honest, I would have periods of time where I wouldn't feel sick, but they were never really longer than a couple of months at a time. And that's probably my whole childhood from around as early as I can remember, really. I just always felt sick and it was just draining. I found it emotionally draining to feel worried about things all the time, to physically find eating difficult sometimes, but also I think probably the thing I found the hardest was to pretend to everybody else that I didn't feel that way. So my mum knew how I felt and she was definitely a big support for me in terms of coping with my anxiety and how I was feeling. But I was very, very high functioning and I always have been apart from probably one period in my life but even one of those periods that I'm going to talk about later as a lot of people that wouldn't know I felt that way um I've always been very good at hiding it and if you're somebody that is anxious you'll know that actually trying to pretend that you're not is just as draining as the anxiety itself pretending you're okay is so fucking hard it is just like piling extra weight on top of you and it just kind of buries you and you're thinking I can't show how I'm feeling I've got to just get on with this but I feel so like on edge and nervous and anxious and like I had very much a sense of like impending doom and I felt that all the time but early childhood early teens all of that I just felt sick all the time I worried about things I didn't really know why I was feeling nervous or anxious it was just a normal feeling for me and I think I just figured that's how I would always feel. I didn't really think it was possible for me to not feel anxious. It was just what I'd always known. Like I said, for as long as I can remember, that's how I felt. And as I grew older, I got to about 2021 and 
I mean, also, I would have some really weird habits for how I would deal with my feeling sick and my anxiety in, like, I would have to eat certain things. I would always carry around dry cereal in my pocket or a rich tea biscuit so that if I felt sick, I had something to nibble on and it would make me feel better. And I can even remember, like, just at 11 o'clock at night sometimes thinking I'm going to have to wake up, I'm going to have to get out of bed and get some Cocoa Pops <laughs> to eat some dry Cocoa Pops or chew chewing gum. I chew chewing gum all the time. Um... And if you know me now, you'll know that like I still have that habit. <laughs> I chew gum constantly. Um, not now because of anxiety, but I think it's just a habit I've built over the years. But I had my little coping mechanisms. Um, and even then it was always, I was always have to say to my mum, like, promise me I won't be sick. And I needed constant reassurance from her. But I just had this sense of, I, I just felt on edge all the time. It was really draining. I created these little habits to help me cope with it. But really nobody probably knew how I was feeling. And as I progressed into my 20s, it actually almost overnight completely switched how my anxiety manifested. All of a sudden, I didn't feel sick anymore. And this is the funny thing. When I was feeling sick, I remember thinking I would do anything to just not feel sick every day. Like, I would just do anything. And then when it changed, literally overnight, I didn't feel sick anymore, I would obsess about things. So I knew what I was worrying about, whereas previously I never really knew what was bothering me. I didn't have the, maybe as a child I didn't have the, you know, cognitive ability to even decipher what I was worried about, I just had the physical feeling. As I got older and I sort of started to worry about specific things, the feeling of sickness went away, but the overwhelming thoughts I had were just awful. And it's so funny because, I mean, it's not funny, but it is in that once that sort of change happened, I remember thinking I'd do anything to go back to feeling sick every day. That was nothing compared to this. Because the physical feeling, I'd created these habits of how I could deal with it and I knew what, I, you know, I didn't drink, I never really got drunk because I was worried that would make me sick and, and increase the sick feeling. But I had sort of, it felt awful at the time, but this just felt like another level up and it just got worse. And I couldn't deal with being inside my own head all day. And that was something I felt like I could just never escape from. Whereas before I could never escape from the feel, the physical feelings of anxiety and feeling sick, it progressed. And I mean, literally overnight, it was so weird. It just kind of disappeared physically. And I just started obsessing about things. And I just felt like I couldn't get out of my own head. And I would obsess on one problem and I would catastrophize it. I would think the worst case scenario and I would think about it all the time. And then I would promise myself that after I'd had this worry and once I'd stopped worrying about it, because usually there's a way of, if you have anxiety, you'll find a solution to a problem. It might be like, right, I've got to wait this length of time and then this will have happened, so I'll know I don't need to worry about this anymore. Maybe it's like a health issue. You know, If I felt a lump, I'd think, well, when I've had my doctor's appointment, then I won't have to worry about it anymore, but until then I will. And then I just won't worry anymore because I won't have this big thing to worry about. But as someone with anxiety, if you don't actually deal with why you feel anxious and the anxiety itself, that root cause, there'll always be the next worry. There'll always be the next thing that you'll worry about. And you'll say, yeah, yeah, once this worry's gone, you know, you say to yourself, I don't, I won't need to worry, be fine. That one passes and almost magically straight away there's something else to worry about. Because there's always something to worry about if that's what your mind is programmed to do and what it's programmed to look for. I was always looking for problems. I always saw the negative. I always thought the worst case scenario. And I just had this feeling, and I've always had this feeling, that 
almost like I had bad luck and that if something was bad, bad was going to happen, it was going to be to me. So I would always think, you know, if there was like a headline of, oh, this young girl gets misdiagnosed and ends up having cancer and, and dies, I always thought that would be me. I was like, I will be that statistic. And that mindset was always, if something bad is going to happen, it's going to happen to me. And I just took that mindset to a whole other level and I've just obsessed. I would pick on worries from the most random things and obsess and obsess and obsess to the points that it really affected my relationship. I've, I know it was I was it was really hard on him and, and us being together in my marriage because I just, you know, I was not in a good place. I was fighting with my own mind every single day, obsessing, worrying, non-stop thinking, overthinking and just I felt like I just couldn't control what was going on inside my head and it was just draining me. And like I said, to everyone that I worked with, to all my friends, to my extended family, I pretended that I was fine. Nobody knew that I felt impending senses of doom 24-7 hours a day and like the worst thing was going to happen. If someone was going to get murdered, it was going to be me. If someone was going to get hit by a bus, it was going to be me. If someone was going to get cancer, it was going to be me. I was just convinced and like I said before, hiding that was just as draining as the anxiety itself and I just, I just didn't know how to cope with it and, but again, it was just something that I almost convinced, I, well, I did definitely convince myself was just a part of me and it was normal and, you know, my dad had always been a worrier and my grand was a worrier and I don't think I even saw it as, like, anxiety. I think I just thought, well, I'm just a worrier and I'm just a nervous person and this is just who I am and this is how I would always be. I certainly never, ever thought it was possible for me to not feel that way because I always had. And I didn't realise that I could change my perspectives on the world, I didn't realise I could change my beliefs and any of it. I just thought, this is what's normal for me and I will always feel that way. And sometimes I would find that stressful because I would think, oh my God, I've got to spend the rest of my life feeling this way. But on the other hand, it was just normal. And I thought, this is just the way that I am. And, and that's it. And I was very like, not I have anxiety or I can feel anxious, but I'm an anxious person. I very much labeled myself as that and took that on as a huge part of my identity. But again, not a public identity because I tried to keep it from everybody. And, and nobody, I don't think, would have guessed that I was a worrier. I remember having a conversation with work, at work with somebody once and she was like, what? You're, you're not someone that worries. And I was like, honestly, if you could be inside my head and know what I worry about, you would not believe it. And I'd always thought as well, do you know what? It doesn't impact my life that much. It doesn't stop me going to do things. And in hindsight, it definitely did stop me doing things. But I did manage it. Like I said, it was very high functioning. So that also gave me less incentive to change because, or to try and change it. Partly because I didn't believe that I could, but also because I'd convinced myself that it wasn't really affecting my life and that I had it in, I was in control of my anxiety. But the, the truth is that was never the case um, because I was living every single day from a place of fear and making decisions based on what might happen and thinking about what might happen. And it all kind of got to a point in my life where I've never felt so bad and this is something I've mentioned before very briefly but I've never actually spoken about this um so I don't know how I'm going to feel talking about this so if there's tears I'm going to apologize now but it's not something I have particularly ever really verbalized and only the very close people who were around me at the time would have known how I felt 
Um, or actually, they probably never would have known how I felt, but they would have seen how it manifested for me. But I got to a point where things just started to get worse. I started trying to have a family, and um, I had a. I, I really struggled with my periods. I'd always had irregular periods growing up, and then I went on the pill, and obviously, I wasn't having. Um, I was having control periods through use of the pill so when I came off the pill the first year I was off the pill and we started trying for a baby I had three periods in a year so I had different tests and and nothing really came back conclusive and everything we had lots of different tests everything kind of suggested that we just had unexplained infertility and there was no real reason why I wasn't having periods or why we weren't getting pregnant other than we just weren't and also a year it takes a lot of people a year at least to have a child and I don't think that's something that's spoken enough about because we kind of think oh well you just decide to have a baby and you have a baby and it works like that but it doesn't and for a lot of people it doesn't and I think that in itself needs to be something that we talk about more but I hadn't had a period for six months and I was about to go and see some uh, specialist to see if there's something else we could try and then I found out I was pregnant and I was really pleased but I remember also through this period my anxiety was really bad because I thought oh you know why can't I get pregnant I really would beat myself up for it being like oh there's something wrong with me and this is the one thing I remember crying in the kitchen to my ex-husband once being like the one thing I'm supposed to do is have a baby and I can't and I really felt like I'd let myself down and I'd let him down and and I look back now I think that's so sad you know there's never it's never anyone's fault that you can't have a baby or you struggle to have a baby it doesn't mean there's any default with you but it's so hard and in that moment you really feel responsible for that and it's just not the case and I feel sorry for that that version of me who felt that way but my anxiety was rippling and it was getting higher because there were problems around the, the pregnancy and that was my current obsession was getting pregnant and then when I did get pregnant obviously I was elated and it ended up in a miscarriage um and this is going to sound silly but when I had the miscarriage, I almost felt stupid for not worrying about it and thinking that could be a possible outcome. Because I used to equate worrying with caring and with having some sort of control over the outcome. It was almost like I felt if I worried about something, I could control what happened, which the truth is you can't control anything. You know, within your, there are things within the realms of that you can, tr can control and your mind is, I believe, one of those things you can control if you have the right tools and support and knowledge and all those things. But at the time it was something I couldn't control and none of that was available to me and I, I didn't believe that was possible. But I felt like worrying protected me and the people around me so when I had the miscarriage I felt like an idiot for not worrying that that could have possibly been an outcome I got pregnant it never even occurred to me that I might lose a baby it just didn't and I felt stupid I thought why wouldn't why didn't you worry about that and maybe if you'd worried about that it would have affected the outcome and obviously it would have made no difference but at the time I just felt like an idiot so on top of feeling the loss of a baby and thinking, you know, maybe I'm never going to have a family, and dealing with that, and actually I felt really guilty as if it was my fault, and that the miscarriage was my fault, and again, I feel sad for that version of me, because it's just simply not, you know, what's going to happen is going to happen, and I did all that I could to have a successful pregnancy, but sometimes it just doesn't work like that, but I also just felt like such an idiot, and thought, why didn't I worry about this, and what happened then is, 
we decided to try for a baby again after the miscarriage and I got pregnant really quickly. Um, I am a big believer that without that miscarriage I wouldn't have been able to have my children. I think that angel baby did something for me that allowed me to have children and so I'm very grateful for that and I think about it a lot um, and what would have been but if that had have been then my children wouldn't have been here because it would have changed everything so I have to believe that it all worked out exactly how it was supposed to but when I got pregnant all I could think about was that I was going to lose the baby you know my only experience with pregnancy had been loss I was an anxious person anyway and I desperately desperately wanted a family so when I got pregnant I felt over the moon for about a second and then I thought oh my god what if something happens and throughout the pregnancy it just got worse and to the point of and this is what you will have heard me talk about is the fact that I had an anxious breakdown at 24 and I I've never really spoken about how that how that went and that's what I'm going to talk about today because I think there's probably a lot of people who feel that way and think that there's something wrong with them for feeling that way or that nobody else has ever felt that and I have felt this way and I know there will be someone listening that has felt that way too or a similar way and so I want to talk about it because there's nothing wrong with you it's it's not you know a bad thing it's just something that anxiety is something that can happen and it does happen all the time and you know I had a valid reason to worry that I might lose the baby again because I had lost a baby but I kind of told myself just like in the past when I would say well once I finish worrying about this then I'll be fine but there was always that next worry I'd kind of told myself right well when I get to 12 weeks then I won't worry anymore because my risk of miscarriage will go down and then it would be well when I get to 20 weeks then I won't worry anymore because you know that's that's like a safer point and then when I got to 20 weeks, I started worrying about stillbirth. And it gradually got worse to the point where the biggest issue for me when I was pregnant was food. So I, I don't know if you listen to this, how much you'll know or how little you know about this, but I began to really worry about listeria because listeria is not very common. Um, from what I understand and from all the googling and research I did when I was pregnant and anxious it's not very common but it's slightly more common in pregnant women and you're a higher risk of contracting listeria from eating something that contains that bacteria when you're pregnant and for the average person generally you might eat something with listeria have a bit of an upset tummy have maybe some flu-like symptoms from what I understand and, and you know be fine if you get listeria when you're pregnant there's a risk to your baby and there's also very little symptoms, so it's very hard to tell. So for someone with anxiety who worried about baby loss, I felt that if I got listeria, I wouldn't know what had happened. I wouldn't know that I had it because I'd have no symptoms and that the baby would die. So I became obsessed with what I would eat and what food I'd be around. So there are certain foods that are slightly higher risk for listeria, but again, like I said, from what I understand, it's very rare. You know, it's not a certainly common type of food poisoning. But I wouldn't eat certain things. I got to a point I couldn't eat other people's houses. I used to clean my house probably three times a day because there were certain foods that could possibly have listeria. 
and I would worry about someone in the house having touched them and then touched something else and I would sit and think what they could have possibly touched so I'd go around and I would clean the remotes I would clean door handles I would clean work surfaces I would clean banisters I would clean light switches I would clean every single surface that somebody could touch and then I would be obsessed about germs generally so I remember being on a bus once I used to get the park and ride to work and being on a bus standing there and thinking I watched how many people touched a handrail and I counted it how many different people touched a handrail in one bus journey and all I could think was about all the different germs that I could possibly have been exposed to on that bus and I would just look for dirt everywhere I could not touch anything I would go to the hospital so I also used to worry about reduced movements and I ended up having quite a lot of monitoring at hospital but hospitals in my mind were full of germs so every time I went to the hospital I would come home I would disinfect my car I would take all my clothes off put them straight in the washing machine go and clean um, the washing machine door and the buttons that I'd pressed and all of those things and I would go and get in the shower and wash myself every time I went to the doctors to see the midwife even I would come home wash my clothes clean everything I'd touched have a shower I was obsessed with dirt and it got to a point where the skin on my hands I I had every single knuckle was cracked and I my skin was peeling off my hands and everything was splitting it was so sore because I was washing them probably I dread to think how many times a day I was washing my hands and I couldn't my husband was not allowed to come anywhere near me I wouldn't eat at anyone else's house. I didn't like people hugging me, touching me, being in my house. I didn't even like my own parents being in my house. I didn't even like being in their house. I really struggled with like bathrooms, toilets, and taps were my biggest thing. I could not touch a tap. The logic in my mind that you would touch a tap with a dirty hand, wash your hands, and then touch it with a clean hand just blew my mind and I couldn't cope with it. But what was the most interesting is I felt like my behavior was so rational. And I felt like everyone else around me, I just couldn't believe that they didn't think the way that I thought. I was honestly, I believe unreachable. I don't think anybody that was around me at the time understood what was going through my mind. And I don't think I understood them. I couldn't see how they didn't see the world the same way that I was seeing this. I didn't see how they didn't think it was totally normal to clean my house four times a day. I didn't think how they couldn't see the tiny risk with everything they were doing and and not take the precautions that I wanted them to. I felt extremely frustrated. I felt extremely lonely. I felt like I was losing my mind because I was trying to convince everybody to see the world the way that I was seeing things and and they were finding it really hard and frustrating to be around me. I know they were because it it was hard. I, I didn't cope with it I was really struggling and I got to a point I couldn't leave the house I couldn't really couldn't do anything and I just couldn't cope with it and unfortunately I started to see a therapist um which I thought would be a positive move but I'm not going to talk about what happened with the therapist but it only ended up encouraging my behavior because it was related to my pregnancy there was kind of this idea that well once I'd had the baby everything would be fine But having known my past, we kind of knew this wasn't going to happen because I've always been an anxious person. 
But what we did discover was that for the first time ever, my OCD, uh, my anxiety was also manifesting as OCD. So amongst all of the cleaning, the food, the germs, all these things, I also really sort of lo- like locked into this idea that things were bad luck. So for example, I could not send a message that had six words in it, or I couldn't send a message that had six kisses in it, couldn't do something six times. Six became a number for me that I hated. And I thought, and saying this out loud now is just, it blows my mind that this is what I thought, but I genuinely thought if I sent a message with six kisses that somebody would die, somebody that I love would die. And that amount of stress, or if I tap a button six times, or if I do something six times, or if I don't do, I, I, that amount of stress is just overwhelmingly shit. Like everything I do, I had to think a million times about how I was doing something, how many times I did something. So I was obsessing about what I was eating and the baby and list, feeling for movements and did I feel okay, did I feel ill, what was I eating, what was I doing, who was I around, what germs were there, what did I need to clean, whilst also thinking that everything I did had a possible knock-on effect and that I had bad luck, that I could make something happen based on how many numbers I, how many texts, numbers I, messages I sent in a text, can't get my words out, how many kisses, any of those things, I just thought something bad was going to happen and I genuinely believe that. And yeah, it got to a point where I couldn't cope anymore. And I, I didn't know what to do with myself. And I went into labor and my son was born. And for a brief while, it, it sounds like, but as soon as he was born, there was some kind of relief because I was like, I know he's safe. Like I remember that first time I had him and I held him in my arms my birth was very traumatic in itself but again maybe that'll be something I talk about another time because I did find that quite a formative experience but when I held him I just I massively felt this sense of like oh you're safe like he's here you're safe this is okay and I felt a very very brief period of relief and I was like okay I don't need to worry about this anymore I can eat things, I can, you know, not think so much about germs. But anxiety doesn't just go away. Just like me saying before, well, once this thing's happened, or once I've got to this point, I won't have to worry about something anymore. Me saying, well, once he's here, I just won't worry anymore, didn't work. It, it only justified, in my mind, that it was rational for me to feel those the way that I did and to think those thoughts. So he was here and I had that very slight relief, but then of course the anxiety just changed. And the OCD still was there, it just had a different meaning now. So I would worry that he was gonna get meningitis. Or my my anxiety also then formed and turned into, I would worry that I was gonna die and that he would be the little boy whose mum died. And I used to have dreams where I would dream and I would see the newspaper heading, mum dies at 25 and leaves little boy. And I thought I was gonna die all the time. So I started doing things, like I used to buy him clothes a year in advance in case I died. And I used to try and think that, what could I do to make sure that he's looked after if I'm not here? Talking about that now makes me feel really sad because 
I was just constantly, and, and my whole time with anxiety in my late, in my early 20s and, and you know, up to 26, has always been about, about trying to prevent bad things from happening and believing that, A, having this thought that everything that's possibly bad that's going to happen is going to happen to me, but also trying to convince myself that I can somehow exert control over this and just completely drained all the joy out of my days by trying to control and do what I thought, whether it was sending a text with seven kisses instead of six, cleaning things meticulous amount of times or, or whatever, to do what I thought I could do to stop bad things happening, to stop me dying, to stop my family dying, to stop people getting ill. Like, I just, it was fucking draining. Even talking about it now feels draining. Like, I, I find it mad to look back and think that was my life and I thought that I would always feel that way and after I had my son I for the first time ever took anti-anxiety medication because I thought I don't the moment he was born I thought I don't ever want him to feel this way and I don't want to show him this behavior because there's nothing stronger than a mother's instinct to protect her children and I never ever wanted him or any other children I would have to feel that way because it fucking sucks and so it was a massive motivation for me to feel better but at the same time it also just made my desire to hide the anxiety even more and when you're trying to come to terms with something and deal with it when you're trying to hide it at the same time it doesn't really work and it's not very helpful so I definitely had improvements and I started to think you know I'm going to do this for him I never ever thought I, I never did it because I thought I wanted to feel better I did it because I didn't want him to feel that way he was the motivator for me to do that because I never ever wanted him to feel like that and I tried some anti-anxiety medication for about six months and in the past I'd had counseling I'd had CBT I even went when I was a child for first CBT and nothing ever worked and I'd obviously had therapy that was unsuccessful and, and actually quite a traumatic experience when I was pregnant um so I thought I'd try medication I thought I'll do it for him like we'll see if it works and it didn't, um, ironically, <laughs> the side effects that I had from that then started making me worry that I had cancer. Um, and it, in some respects, it made me feel a little bit numb and like a little bit more like I could cope with the things in life that were happening, but from a, a sense of sort of haziness. Um, but on the other hand, the side effects in the end just kind of took so much of a toll that they made me worry more. So I stopped taking it. And I just kept trying to find ways to cope with it. And again, I don't think I ever believed that I could feel better and there would be a day where I didn't feel anxious. I just thought I was always going to feel that way. And when we got divorced, when I was 26, I felt extremely anxious. But at the same time, it was one of the worst things I thought would ever happen to me. And in some respects, they kind of felt liberation from that. If you listen to the episode about Rock Bottom, you'll realise that I'm actually quite a big fan of Rock Bottom. <laughs> I think it's not a bad place to be, because the only way is up. And I definitely felt some liberation in, for the first time ever, realising that I didn't feel very good about myself. And maybe I'd been seeking 
all the things in life that I thought were going to help me feel better the house, the job, family, husband, all those things when actually I really should be asking myself the questions of but how do I feel about myself? There's a reason I feel this way and I've always felt this way. What's my relationship with myself? Who am I? I realised I felt totally lost and I didn't know who I was and that was a massive source of anxiety for me because how can you love something if you don't know anything about it and that's how I felt how, I don't know who I am how can I love that person and my divorce was a trigger point for me and a turning point and after that I've had some horrendous experiences it hasn't been a linear journey at all I've made some you know interesting choices and decisions and very much reflective of how I felt about myself and how I really was, my self-worth was the lowest when I got divorced. And I'd had, you know, a few years of the pregnancy and miscarriage and the breakdown and all different things that really all sort of caught up with me at that point and I sat there at 26 thinking, oh, my fucking life's falling apart, great. And everyone's going to judge me and I never ever wanted to get divorced and this is really shameful and all of those things. And I just... Yeah, it hasn't been a straightforward journey, but it got me to a point where I said, I don't want to feel like this anymore. I don't want Ezra to feel like this. I don't want any future children I have to feel like this. I don't want to dislike myself. And I don't want to feel like I'm not worth. It sounds silly, but I didn't feel like I was worthy enough to not have anxiety. It felt like I almost deserved to have it, if that even makes sense. And that makes me really sad saying that and realising that. But I've spent, you know, I heading, I'm heading towards 30. <laughs> and I've spent the last few years having some really difficult moments, really experiencing low self-worth, still experiencing anxiety, at some points, I think I probably felt depression too. And out of all of it, for the first time in my life, I've managed to understand my anxiety. And I can honestly say, in the past year, I've had one time where I felt really really anxious and I didn't I wasn't sure I was going to know how to cope with that but I did because I've got tools and I've worked myself out and I've have a stronger relationship with myself and I know who I am and I love who I am and I'm not saying self-love solves anxiety you know I'm not a scientist I'm not a medical professional I'm not any of those things yes I'm a coach yes I'm a, a you know a qualified coach and but I think the biggest strength I have as somebody that helps women to love themselves to help them with their anxiety and confidence and all those different things is that I fucking know how it feels to feel that way I know how it feels to obsess about something I know how it feels to wake up every day and worry that I'm going to die I know how it feels to never feel at peace to never feel relaxed to believe that I'm never ever going to feel any differently and to think that I'm going to feel like this for my whole life but I don't feel like that anymore 
I, in this moment, do not feel anxious. I don't feel worried. I feel peaceful. I feel happy. I feel content. I feel full of purpose. Even talking about this now, it makes me sad because I feel sad for that version of myself. I feel sad that she had to go through those things. But I feel really grateful that I did. And I don't think I'd be very good at my job if I didn't know how it felt to feel that way. To feel like you're not worthy and to feel like you have no confidence and to feel like you're never going to not feel anxious. Because I think it allows me to understand my clients better. But I think it's really important to talk about these things. Because you have to know sometimes it's really easy to watch my content and for me to go I feel great I feel great I love myself this is how you should love yourself I'm really happy but if you don't feel that way you just look at me and you go well of course yeah you know you don't know how it knows how it feels to feel that way so of course you feel happy and whatever so I think it's important for you to know that I have spent the majority of my life not feeling this way but it's possible to feel different and I'm so grateful for all of the experiences that I've had even my very worst moments because I noticed it even when we went through Covid I noticed in a family member they went into the same headspace I did when I was pregnant and it was really interesting to watch it from the other side and to see just how lonely that is when you're the only person, or you think you're the only person that feels that way or thinks that way. And it just made me want to help them and to know that they could be on the other side of this and they could feel better. So whatever you're feeling, whether you're sat there thinking, yeah, I felt anxiety, and or maybe you're thinking, yeah, I feel anxiety, but it's nothing like the anxiety that you feel, or yes, I resonate with what you said, or maybe you're starting to think I've never felt anxiety. Um, I think it's important to have these conversations, to realise that you're not the only person that feels that way, and to also know that however you're feeling right now, there is another side. It is possible for you to feel better. Even if it doesn't feel like it, it is possible. Because if I can do it, having literally spent my whole life spending every day feeling anxious. If I can sit here now and not have that, have the occasional worry, have the occasional moment where I think, oh, I feel a bit anxious. You know, I'm not I'm not saying that I don't have that because I do, because I'm human. And I think anxiety is a part of life to an extent. But when it goes to the extremes, like it did with me, you don't have to have that. You don't have to feel that. There is another side where you push through that and it is possible to feel better. It is possible to think differently. It is possible to have a life where you don't feel anxious on a regular basis and to the extent that maybe you feel it now. And it's possible to learn from the experiences you've had, the anxiety you've had and to dig deeper and to build a relationship with yourself and and for you to take control and make your work, your mind work for you rather than against you. I have spent my whole life feeling like my brain is out to get me. <laughs> like it just wants me to be miserable. 
but with reprogramming it and changing my perspectives and changing my beliefs that I have about myself and the world and understanding different things and seeking out knowledge and people and all of those things I've been able to change how I see the world and how I feel and if I can do that you can do that so I wanted to sit and have this conversation I'm, I'm sorry that it's probably been super low and heavy to listen to and I you know it's a triggery one to talk about and I've never talked about the things I've spoken about today you know I talk about anxiety generally I mentioned the fact that I've had a breakdown but it's never been something that has I felt I've needed to go into detail about but I've spoken to a couple of close friends about it recently and I realised that they've had feelings of those kind of moments too and maybe not to the same extremes and maybe in slightly different ways but a friend said to me you know this is something you need to talk about because I think people need to hear this because we need to we all of us want to know that we're not the only person that feels a certain way and all of us want to know that the possibility to feel better is there and I think sometimes you need to know the extremes of how things get to really believe it and say actually wow if you can be in that place then and then change things and feel the total opposite then that's possible for me too so apologies if this has been a bit heavy (laughs) um if you need to speak to somebody please speak to a doctor please get help please do something because you don't have to feel anxious you don't deserve to feel anxious you don't deserve to dislike yourself you know get help help is available to you whether it's from a medical professional um you know or a doctor a psychologist therapist any of those please don't suffer in silence and please know that you're not alone in feeling this way it's just my experience and everybody's experience is going to be difficult and different but i think it's important to share it with you and i hope that whilst this has been a heavy episode i hope you come away from it also feeling hopeful so yeah i'm going to wrap things up but i will see you in the next episode please do send me a message And please, please do get help because it's possible for you to feel better. Thanks for listening to This Is Who I Am. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at selflovecoachingwithrosie. Thanks again and I'll see you next time.